Hey everybody, this is Dee at Twin Flame Stories Podcast, and this is episode 46. So today I have a different microphone, so hopefully this is going to sound alright. I am in the sound room today, which is a bonus, so you don't have to listen to me drive. And I'm really excited to announce that we finally have stories to read. I have finally been able to sit down with people who are so generous to share them and get everything worked out. So we're starting with story one. We have five stories now, you guys, that need to be read still. That's over a month worth of material. That's crazy. And I'm really appreciative to everybody who has decided to share. It's really incredible. All right. So today we have Penelope's story. All right, here we go. Three and a half years ago, something happened to me that would change my world forever. At the end of February 2016, at 19 years old, I was in a frustrated mindset. I had just come out of school and was desperate to find a job I enjoyed. I never had a desire to go to university and knew early on I wanted to go straight into the working world with mature people. I was an old soul and over the young mindset that comes with the majority of people that go to school. My mother had, and still has, an exciting career as a journalist. I grew up helping out on fashion shoots, etc., so when she came to me suggesting I go work with her for two weeks in the office, I took comfort in knowing I'd be doing something I was familiar with. But I also felt a little agitated. I couldn't just find a job on my own. I know how bratty that sounds. So I reluctantly went along. It also didn't thrill me. This would mean we'd be staying in the house of my mom's boyfriend at the time, who she had an incredibly toxic relationship with, just because he lived closer to the office. So my first day on the job came, and I was kind of nervous. I was just learning the ropes and getting on with things and loving that I had a routine again. I enjoyed it much more than I initially thought. Then I saw him. There was a guy in the corner of the room staring over at me and watching me like I had never been looked at before, studying my every move. My legs started to shake when I was told to carry a stack of books over to his side of the room. He was studying me so intensely. I never felt so admired or like I'd made someone feel like they were starstruck at first glance. Who was this guy? All I knew was I couldn't believe someone like him, good-looking, eight years older, and higher up in the company, would even be remotely interested in looking at someone like me, an awkward 19-year-old assistant, let alone making me feel like I had just entered the room looking like Angelina Jolie, which I most certainly was not that day. I was wearing near to no makeup and hardly made any effort in clothes at all. I put my overwhelming feelings of attraction and disbelief down to being younger than him and inexperienced with things like this. Though I wasn't close enough to his face to study him properly, I knew I'd known this person before. My belief in past lives started a few years prior to this, when I was at school and fell for someone. I now believe to have been a soul catalyst or false twin flame, where I experienced my dark night of the soul. Also, at that time, I had become bizarrely obsessed with iconic, famous couples like Liz Taylor and Richard Burton and Elvis and Priscilla. Random? Very. 
but I would always say to my friends, despite everything, they always came back to each other because they were each other's home. My friends thought I was crazy and needed serious help. And to be honest, looking back on it, I would have thought the same if I wasn't the one experiencing it. I never want to go back to the feelings I experienced in those years of my life. But knowing what I know now, I feel it all prepared me for the meaning of my twin flame. I was doing anything for the sole catalyst false twin to keep him interested in me. Dyeing my hair, pretend I was having fun when I wasn't, trying to make him jealous with other men. It was a mess. I felt I wasn't seen by him. It got so bad that I get this constant feeling of a tightly closed chest where I felt like I couldn't breathe. The guy in the office, though, he saw me, the real me, and I knew from that first encounter he's loved me before. The best feeling about laying eyes on him was that I couldn't breathe again. It was as if my entire soul opened up. What was happening to me? It didn't come as much of a surprise to me that this guy that I initially adored seemed to be adored by everyone else. Every girl, woman, even some guys were obsessed with him. But I knew from that first day it was me that he wanted. Like an intuition I'd never been so sure of ever before. I just knew. Over those weeks, probably the best of my life so far, and what I'm sure was our bubble phase, he put so much effort into trying to talk to me, finding out about me, play, paying more attention to my mother, who later told me, until I started working there, they'd hardly spoken in five years they'd worked together. I knew instantly why. It was all because of me. But why? I'd get so nervous around him, but feel totally comfortable at the same time. I wasn't able to converse with him properly. It's like I was in such awe of someone that was like a family member to me. I'd never known anything like it. I started Googling things about deep connections and soulmates, and the twin flame concept came up. I knew right away. The signs ticked all the boxes, and I knew I was in for a bumpy ride. When I looked into his eyes, even just for a second, it felt like the world stopped, and there was nothing there but him and I. The only way I could describe it is... It was as if I was looking into myself when I looked at him. I got him, and he got me. Even my own mother said, it's like we were family. We didn't even need to speak, but we'd pick up on each other's moods, just know what the other was thinking. Despite my mom not having the same beliefs as me, she once joked that she could see this guy as her son, as if maybe she was his mom in a past life. She also says it freaks her out that we have the same eyes, which I found kind of funny. I think we look like brother and sister, which to anyone else sounds strange that I was so attracted to him. But we all know why. It turned out I ended up staying in the job, that job nearly over a year, and in that time, though we didn't interact constantly because of our different working rules, the universe would have a funny way of bringing us together at the most random times. We'd bump into each other everywhere, in fact. I think I saw him more than any of my close colleagues on the job through literally seeing him in coffee shops, street alleys, fire escapes, you name it. Wherever I went, he went, or was, or was it the other way around? I kept seeing 11-11 that year. One of the best things to have happened around this time 
was the end of the toxic relationship between my mother and her then-boyfriend. He had cheated on her, and she was heartbroken, but it felt like I got my mom back. As we came out of the initial, oh my god, what is this feeling phase, a lot of rumors about him and other women were brought to my attention. So much so, I couldn't keep up, but I always kind of laughed it off because even if they were true, I didn't care. None of them would have what we have. I had faith in this magically intense yet at the same time terrifying connection. Then one night, one of the guys at work was having a leaving party. Even though I barely knew this man, something inside me told me I should go. Perhaps I had an inkling that my twin flame would turn up. Of course, he did. Before his arrival, I had been having a few drinks with a friend. I guess maybe as the later it got, the less I thought he'd turn up. But there he was. As the night went on and the drinks were flowing, we naturally gravitated toward each other. I needed a stiff drink to be able to have any kind of conversation with him, which of course he initiated. It was something about the watch that he was wearing, and though I can't remember the details, it became clear he thought I'd had a little too much to drink and showed concern in his eyes, almost parental. Embarrassed, I quickly turned the subject on to a holiday. I was going on and asked him if he'd ever been there. Admittedly, it was a known party place, and he pierced me again with such concern and affection. He lovingly grabbed my hand, bear in mind, this is probably the longest we'd ever spoken, and asked, promise me you'll look after yourself. Shocked, I abruptly took my hand back and carried on the conversation. He then offered me a beer, a little beer, from his glass. As I kept mentioning it, I'd never tried it before, but my instinct was telling me he just wanted to share something with me, even if it was just a sip of a drink. A lot more interaction happened that night that I'll never forget, but the most memorable was when we walked, as a group, to the train station to go home and he hugged me goodbye. I thought I was going to burst. We went through the ticket barrier, still in a group, and he hugged me again. He kept saying, Are you sure you're going to be okay getting home? Are you sure? Feeling as if I was in a dream state, I excitedly skipped off, telling them all I'd be fine, and of course I didn't sleep that night. Then it all changed. Long story short, the next day at work, it became clear to me that he had a thing going on with someone else in the office for a while. But what I couldn't understand was that she was there that night while he was only interested in me. To this day, they are still together. But I have never been jealous of the relationship, as I know. It's different to what he had with me. I am currently in a very happy relationship, too, with a man I love dearly. But I feel it in my bones that this isn't the end of the story. So that is the beginning of Penelope's story. Thank you, Penelope, for sharing with us. And I totally agree with you. This is not the end. It is not the end for any of us. All right, let's go back to the top here. So I think we all, I know like when we go over these stories, it's like, yeah, yeah, we know this stuff, Dee, but just... It just floors me every single time. Like, when each of us start out, 
and it's such an unexpected connection. Whether it's with somebody that you've been with for a really long time, or they just come out of the blue. Those seem to be the two trends. It's either somebody you knew for a really long time, and all of a sudden, you know, like, all of a sudden you awaken to it, or it's like a complete stranger, and you're like, holy crap. So it also is interesting that we have a really big variety of years. There's a lot of us who are teenagers and a lot of us who are older. And I'm pretty sure there's probably a lot in the middle, you know, once you've been settled. And I like how um, Penelope is talking about like she's an old soul and she just didn't want to deal with that young mindset. And I have heard this from other people also that, you know, they're just, it wasn't their thing to be in that space. And that's totally okay. We all are going to be pushed to go toward what our our soul and heart need. So if it says to steer clear of that type of situation, then you should listen to it. And some of us are going to take time and experience that for a reason. So for her, it was just to steer clear. Like she didn't need to have that experience. And it's interesting how, like, this is where I feel like fate steps in. Where if we hadn't done that one thing, like if she hadn't gone to work for her mom, she wouldn't have known this at that point. Maybe sometime later she would have bumped into him some other way. But it's always fascinating when you look backward to see that it's that moment. Like there's that one shift, like that one decision, that one little piece of something inside of you that says, just do it. Or, I don't know, it's almost like sometimes maybe we resist. I don't think Penelope did. It doesn't sound like it. But I know for a fact I did. And I I kept being told, hey, come meet, come meet, come meet. I was like, oh, no, it's fine. No, I'm good, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then fate steps in and says, nope, this is going to happen today. So I feel like with Penelope, that's kind of how it was. Like, nope, this is how it's going to go down, you know. Um, and it's interesting how when she's there, like she sees him and it's like the light bulb goes on like something changes and she talks about it's like her soul opened up and I felt the exact same thing just like it was different I I don't know how to explain it but it was just all of a sudden like I recognized him and my soul opened up And she talks about her legs starting to shake when she had to carry some things over to his side of the room. And I don't know how many of you experience this, but when I'm close by my twin, I shake 
a lot. I feel like it feels like a low blood sugar kind of shake, like similar to that, or like a caffeine high, like if you get too much caffeine and you, it's like you're just jittery, like that kind of feeling. And I remember the second time that we came face to face after that initial bubble phase, and it had been a long time, it had been a whole year, and we came together, we saw each other, and um, my legs almost completely gave out. So you know how they always say, oh, I went weak in the knees. I always thought that was just an expression, that somebody would go weak in the knees at the sight of somebody. And I can attest that that is a real feeling. I thought I was going to collapse on the ground and pass out. And I didn't intend to feel that way. It just happened. So I'm sure with Penelope, it was the same way. Like you just, you know, it's like you don't have control over your body. It's got so much energy coming into it that you just have these crazy symptoms like shaking and whatever else your heart might be racing. And like she talked about not being able to catch her breath. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, your body just kind of takes over with all that energy coming in. And then she talks about how she couldn't believe that someone like him, good looking, older, higher up in the company, would really be interested in looking at her. Especially since she hadn't taken any time to feel like she was Angelina Jolie. <laughs> But yet, there he was, staring at her. And I can just say that that attests to our connection. I think we can be at our absolute worst, and they would still not see it. They would see beauty. And I don't want to say um, that if, we're, if we are together in some capacity, that they won't struggle with you because we do. We struggle back and forth, you know, it triggers things within us. But if they're, if they're looking at you, say you're just not done up, say like, right me, like, look at me right now. I've got my pajama pants on. I've got a sweatshirt on and that's it. My hair is still like a bedhead. Haven't had a shower. No deodorant on yet. Haven't brushed my teeth. So just for instance, say we bumped into each other and this is what I look like. I'd be horrified, of course. But he would just see beauty because I'm not triggering anything for him at that point within himself to make it look any different. So what he's seeing is just our energy and our light, you know. And I truly believe, like, is so intense and so powerful that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you look like as long as you're not triggering something for them. So that's a whole different story. Like sometimes they may look at you and go, oh my goodness, I just can't. I can't stand them. I can't stand her. Or you might say it about them. I can't stand him, etc. But that's just because the triggering that happens inside of us, there's something inside of us that needs to shift. 
But otherwise, if you're not triggering and in bubble phase, we typically don't do a lot of triggering. There may be stuff coming up for us. I know there was for me. But that being physically together, like overrode the triggering that happened when I wasn't actually physically seeing him. So that's a good thing because it's a good reminder of what things can be like for us once we clear out these things that need to be healed and shifted and changed. All right. So then she explains it that, you know, she explains it away. Like how many of us actually explain it away? Like the only reason, you know, and I couldn't understand my feelings because I was like, it doesn't make sense. He's, he's not somebody I would typically be attracted to his type. I have a type. I, I don't know. I think a lot of women have types. A lot of men have types. And it wasn't, he's just not somebody I would typically be attracted to. I think he's cute. Like, when I look back and I think about his features, etc. Like, prior to me knowing all this other stuff, prior to that weird connection, I would have said, oh, he's cute, but not like, Oh, wow. You know what I'm saying? So I couldn't really understand it either. Like, what was going on? And I'm not a person to flirt. So, like, why was I feeling like this? Like, what? It was so strange. And I don't even know. Well, I did just write it off as flirting. Like, okay, I'll just... I'm just flirting. I don't know what my deal is, but I must be flirting. And so Penelope puts hers, um, you know, into the fact that she is just young and inexperienced. And so that's why it was so strange. And even though she wasn't close enough to study him, she knew that she'd known him before. So that's pretty awesome that she knew right away. So it took me probably two days, a day or two days, to know, like, to get it. Um, so that was pretty good. I'm glad that she recognized that within herself, that, yeah, I, I knew him. And then she goes on to talk about uh, soul Catalyst, and we've talked about Soul Catalyst, or False Twin, I guess you could call them, and how that affected her. And I also had a similar experience where I had a friendly relationship with somebody who I do believe was a Soul Catalyst. There are so many similarities. And I do believe, like, my soul catalyst brought things up for me to recognize and to change. And I don't think I would have been ready for a twin experience without experiencing that in my life. So I can definitely relate to what Penelope is saying. And she did experience her dark night of the soul during that time, which is really amazing. I did not experience, well, I did experience like a mini one. I guess I would explain it as because I really had to grieve for my soul catalyst after it ended. Um, and I mean, we always kind of had a connection, but 
the, the important part had ended. That initial phase had ended. And I had to grieve through that. So I did have like a little mini one. But it sounds to me like Penelope like actually experienced like a full out dark night of the soul. And I did not experience that until after I met my twin. And I'm curious, like, how many of you have experienced a dark night of the soul after meeting either a soul catalyst or your twin? Um, especially your twin. Like, is there a lot of you who have experienced dark night of the soul? That's a really good question. I might bring that up in the group today. You know, what was it like for you? I don't know if it's really necessary for all of us to experience that. So if you haven't experienced it, don't just assume that you're going to. I don't want you to put your mind in that kind of place. Um, I think we only experience it, it if it's necessary for us to go down really deep into the basement of our soul and stay down there sometimes you know and I did have to go through that so I'm, I'm glad that Penelope was able to experience it ahead of time it sounds like she also had to have one but at least hers was prior to her twin so that cleared her up for not experiencing it with her twin I'm hoping so that I think that's good um, and I, I think it's interesting how she started obsessing with iconic, famous couples and, um, that she would say, you know, they were each other's home and that's really insightful. And I know, like she says, her friends thought she was crazy and needed serious help and, I totally get that too. Like if I look at things that I believe in or I say I think that too, that if anybody heard this, they'd think I was in that case, you know. And sometimes I honestly like question myself, am I really in that case? And I know other twins personally that have said the same thing. Like they're always, some not always, <laughs> they sometimes question like, are you sure I don't have some sort of mental disorder because yeah these are some pretty strange things that happen but like I always tell you guys you know just get heart centered and you know in your heart you just know there's just a knowing it's it's just a knowing so and I love the thing about the couple like the famous couples so that would be a really great thing to discuss, too, is how, like, what couples do you know that come to mind when you think of twins? And I'm just trying to think if I know any. I've, I've heard that, and this might, if you're Christian, I apologize because this might blow you out of the water, but... I've heard that Jesus and Mary Magdalene were a twin couple, they believe. And hmm, that's a really, really good question. Like, what other famous couples that I would believe that about? So maybe that's another discussion we can have in the group. All right. 
Um, and she does talk about, let's see, that she never wants to go back to feeling the way she did in those years with her false twin flame. Uh, dark Night of the Soul is hard. It is so dark. It really is so dark. And I, I honestly did not think I was going to survive it. I just recently talked to my counselor about this. Yes, I go to therapy because I just left a cult. And I need somebody to work through that with me. But we were just talking about the shift. You know, the shift in my paradigm. And how I went from back in 2015 to that awakening and the slow process and for the first two years after that so up until 2017 it was basically a dark night of the soul for me like one big fat dark night of the soul for two years and it was so dark like I would tell her because now looking back I can see that it was intended for me to be able to shift this paradigm that I just shifted. So if you haven't listened to the explanation of the shift, you need to go back to that, that episode. But I realize now that that dark night of the soul was there to shift me in the paradigm two years out from that dark night of the soul. So it's a, it was a long process for me, but I'm not the kind of person who likes to jump off bridges. And I really always think, I know what I need to do, but I don't know how. And I can be really hard on myself because I don't know how. But look at me. I did it. It just happened. It was literally given to me by the universe. The universe was like, here you go. And I was like, holy, holy shit. This is my 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 chance this is my freedom this is where it all falls this is where you know the paradigm falls away like I could literally see it cracking open it was just the most insane thing so that dark night of the soul was totally in preparation because what I would do is I would go to church and I truly believed then because I was programmed I truly believed that that was the only salvation was through that church and I needed to repent and once I repented then my soul was clean and then I could go to heaven and if you're that's what they believe so if you haven't repented and your soul isn't clean you're not going to go to heaven and what I would do is I knew I was shifting I knew like I knew about my twin I knew I understood in my heart about all this other belief system but this program part of me which is the paradigm still believed that I was going to go to hell so I would go to church and we have this period after services where you can repent so I would ask forgiveness from you typically from my spouse and get my soul clear and Immediately after I had asked forgiveness, I'm not even kidding you, I would immediately start begging my creator to take me home. Please, I am in a state of repentance. Please take me home. I did that for two years. 
you guys. So then I would, you know, beg and beg and beg probably until midweek because I didn't live at home. I, I lived out of town. I had a job that was out of town. Um, it's weird how everything went down. But anyway, I didn't live at home. I would just come home on the weekends for, I lived there for about a year. Yeah, it was a year, a little tiny bit over a year. And so I would head back to my house and then I would get about to midweek and then I would revert back to my heart. So I would, I'd be within my heart center Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and part of Saturday probably because then once I returned home, I would start to feel guilty. And then come Sunday... I'd start the whole process over again. So I can see now that this dark night of the soul was really important to shift this paradigm that I'm in now. I had to experience that. I had to experience that darkness and bring up all that BS that was sitting inside of me and clear it out. And I cannot even tell you how happy. I'm so sorry, Penelope, that this is going on about me. But I think it's important for you guys to realize that this can happen to you too. Like this is maybe not in the same manner. Maybe you're not going to have a dark night of the soul that needs to shift for you. But something, if you haven't, if you feel like there's paradigms that you have not shifted yet, I promise you there's going to be a way to shift them. And you necessarily don't have to think about how. How's it going to happen? I think that if you just stay heart-centered as much as you possibly can, keep working on the dark areas that come up for you, whatever healing needs to happen, um, you know, work on the mindset, etc., it's going to come. The universe is going to give you the prime opportunity and say, there you go, here's your spot, you can do this. And it will shift, I promise. I never thought I could shift this paradigm. But... You can, it will happen. It will happen. That's what we're supposed to do. Shift or stretch. Like I've said before, sometimes we just end up stretching things. Obviously, like a paradigm can be having children. And we're not just going to shift that. I mean, unless you really want to get rid of your kids. But some paradigms are not going to <clears throat> completely break. <coughs> Excuse me. So you're either going to stretch a paradigm or break a paradigm and I promise that the universe will give you the opportunity to know when the time is and how to do it okay so back to the dark night of the soul so it's important you know that we realize that the things that are happening now or that have happened in the past are for a good reason like they're giving us something they're serving us in some way and even now, like if you're not with your twin, like I'm not with my twin, I truly have to stay centered and know that this separation is for a purpose. There's absolute purpose to it. We've got things we need to do. It's like this little pact, you know, between us that I can imagine when, before we came, like I've said before, that we pinky promised that, you know, we've got this pact, we're going to do it, it's going to be okay. We're solidarity together you know okay so you know she talks about how with this um 
false twin that she really felt like she needed to be something that she wasn't and that he just wasn't seeing her. <clears throat> so perhaps that was so that when her twin came and her twin saw her as the real thing, that she could see that contrast. Had her soul catalyst not have experienced that with her, showed her that this, you know, I'm not seeing you, I'm not seeing you, like this is why I'm here, I'm, I'm teaching you, so that when she could see, you know, that she would see the contrast. So it was probably pretty important to what was coming for her. And I do believe with our twins that they do see the real us, like wide open, raw. Um, and I love that she says, he's loved me before. That is so beautiful. Like if we could just all hold on to that message right there. Like if there's nothing else you think about, if you're struggling and you wonder what, what is this all about? And why am I experiencing this? And why do I have to be a twin? This is hard work sometimes. And it is hard work sometimes. But if you can hang on to anything, anything that Penelope can share with you, this is it. He loved me before. So put whatever gender in there that suits. Your twin loved you before. And they still love you now. Whenever I talk to twins that are struggling, like especially my soul sisters, because it's tough. And my soul sisters will be like, he doesn't love me. They happen to all be in opposite sex twin relationships, but he doesn't love me. Some of them will say, and that is the one thing I always tell them. He does love you. Your twin does love you. Even if it doesn't look like it at the moment, Whatever the case may be, I can guarantee, absolutely guarantee 100% that if I was able to reach into your twin soul and pull it out and say, stand them in front of me and say, listen, do you love her or do you love him? Your twin would say, yes, without a doubt. So that's what I really want you guys to all take from it, that they love you. They've loved you before and they love you now. And it's not going to stop. There's nothing that can stop that. Ever, ever, ever. <clears throat> okay. So let's go on. So she's questioning like, um, what about this guy? Like, so he sees the real me and, um, you know, she feels those things in her body again and about her soul opening up. And she just thinks, like, what the heck is happening? And I think that everyone I've talked to as a twin has said the same thing. Like, we're just, we all think, what is happening? Because we forget, you know, when we come here as a human, we forget that, oh, shit, yeah. But once we know, once we understand it, then we can come back into that comfort of, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we, we planned this, and I'm here to help, and I'm strong, and I believe I can get this done. Okay, 
And <clears throat> she talks about how he, her twin is so adored by everybody and they're just completely obsessed, uh, obsessed with him. But she's got this intuition that she just knows that he wants her. And I just love how she's so sure. And <clears throat> if there's anything that I could say for people to strive for is that. Be heart-centered. When I talk about being heart-centered, that's what I mean. Like you know, like you know, like you know. So that's a quote from The Secret in case you don't know. Um, but it's just this knowing inside of you that it is what it is and there's no changing it. You just absolutely know. There's not going to be anything that shakes it. All right. And she talks about her bubble phase and how much effort he took, you know, to find out about her. And I think that's such a beautiful spot. Our bubble phase is so beautiful. It can be... Um, tiring too because we don't understand the process yet but when you take away all of that like the not understanding the shifting the paradigm starting to open up to something different all of that if you take that stuff away the actual interaction between us in that bubble phase is amazing it is a beautiful time it is a beautiful time and you can go back to that and really focus on that and just enjoy it and know that it did happen I'm probably not alone in thinking like sometimes I'm like did that really happen yes it really happened you guys it did your bubble phase happened <clears throat> there was some amazing things that happened between you and it's worthy of keeping in our memory I'm kind of losing my voice I apologize I swear every time I talk to you guys it's the same thing <clears throat> I'm going to have to start bringing my coffee in here. <clears throat> so <clears throat> then she talks about, <clears throat> hang on just a second. <clears throat> okay, that should be better. So then she starts Googling things about connections and soulmates. And she found some information on Twin Flames and she knew, yep, this makes sense. And I'm glad there are some sources out there that are, are true and honest and people are looking <clears throat> out for the rest of us and not trying to just get our money. So I'm glad that she was able to find an answer. Um, okay, so then she says, when I looked into his eyes, even just for a second, it felt like the world stopped and there was nothing there but him and I. And I could tell you that that's exactly what I experienced several times with my twin. But the one that I remember the most, because it was the most significant, I think, was the reconnecting. Like that second time I saw him after the bubble phase, the whole year later, like I was talking, his significant, so when we first met, he didn't have a significant other. And this second time after the bubble phase, 
he did have a significant other with him. And um, I wasn't sure, like, what to expect. So anyway, it was fine. Um, I didn't feel jealous or anything like that. And I know Penelope talks about that too. Like, she did not feel jealous about it. She just knew. And anyway, we had this minute where we're all standing in a circle. My significant other, his significant other, a friend of mine... I think there might have been a friend of his. So we're all standing there in this circle and they're talking. Everybody's talking. I'm not talking. I tend to shut down and not say anything. But we're, I'm not talking and he is talking. And so I'm paying attention to what he's saying. And I had sunglasses on, but for some reason, somehow still, we both connected with that vision, that eye thing, connected and it was like everything just fell away it was like it there was just him and I totally and after some real like it got really intense I don't know how to explain it but the energy just like it was like tractor beams it was like (laughs) lightsabers I don't know you know how to explain it but it was like this connection of energy flowing in between us And I knew he could feel it happening inside of his body because he got, like, antsy. And he was smiling so big that it looked like he was just... It honestly looked like he was about to jump out of his skin, literally. And he smiled really big. And then all of a sudden he just piped up and he's like, Hey, there's that guy over there. Like, he was desperate to get my eyes off of him because it was so intense. So that's the time I remember. So I know what she's talking about. I definitely understand what Penelope is talking about, that it's this weird thing with the eyes. And I think a lot of us have experienced that. Like, that's where the connection seems to happen is through the eyes. And they say they're the windows to the soul. So that makes sense, right? Like... Um, I mean, obviously the heart chakra is, has things going on. I'm sure every level has things going on because there's tons of energy coming down through your crown and hopefully you're grounding so it's not overwhelming and you feel like you're going to float away. But I really think that is the opening is looking at them and seeing them. And if you're visually impaired, I would love to hear how your connection happened for you. People who are typically visually impaired have a heightened sense. Their other senses are heightened. So I'm sure, obviously, it's not the only way you can connect. But if you do have your vision, I do think it's a powerful connection way for it to connect. So if you are visually impaired, I would like totally love to hear your story and how that connection happens for you. Like, is it just on the level of feeling or do your ears take over? Like, is it, is there something, you know, um, audio, is it audio thing for you? Like, where do you really feel like that connection? Or maybe if you're not even visually impaired, maybe some of you have a story where for you, 
your connection is through audio, you know, the auditory or touch or whatever. I would, I would just love taste. That would be interesting. Um, whatever it happens to be, I think it would be fascinating to explore those types of connections too. But definitely for me and for Penelope, it's through the eyes. And I know a few others that have said the same thing. And her mom picks up on it. And that's really interesting. Um, that her mom said, and I, I think for the purpose of it is that her mom is there to reassure her that this, this is the real deal. You know, like, I think I've been his mom before. I can totally see that he is my son. And that she feels they look like brother and sister. And that doesn't always happen. But I think with twins, a lot of times there are twins that do look very similar. And then there's twins that look completely opposite. So it's really interesting when they look the same, though. Definitely, I have seen twins that literally look the same. Like sometimes I even see couples that I don't know are twins and they look so similar. And it makes me think, are they twins? But then we've also got the twins who are like completely different. So it may be your thing to look like them and it may not be your thing. So it just totally depends. There's obviously a purpose for it. I don't know what the purpose is if you look like them, but maybe it's for your own reassurance. Maybe that's something you guys agreed on ahead of time that, hey, can we kind of look like each other so I can recognize you? That could totally be why you look like each other. Yeah, yeah, let's do that, you know. Um, and yeah, so then we talk about, they would, she'd just like bump into him everywhere. Um, and I think that's true too. Like I literally had not seen this guy for five years ever, ever, ever. Cause if I did, I would have remembered and I specifically know because my significant other kept saying, come and meet, come and meet, come and meet. And so I knew I hadn't met him because I would be like, oh, yeah, we already met. Remember, I would tell my significant other we already met, but I knew I had not met him. So this whole time he was like close to me and I had never met him. But yet when I was open to that, like once the universe said, "Nope, you're not going to put this off anymore, you are meeting. And that first initial meeting after that, it was like I couldn't stop running into him. Literally, I'd go to the store, he'd be there. I'd go to the gas station, he'd be there. I'd walk down the street, he'd be driving my other way. I would go to the other town, he'd be there. Like, and I think that is organized by the universe so that we can spend that time together in that bubble phase. You know, even if we're not trying to do it, it just happens. Um... And, of course, she saw the infamous 1111 numbers that year. And she got her mom back, which is so beautiful. I'm so glad her mom was able to break that toxic relationship. And she didn't have to worry about her. And That's beautiful. I think our moms are important. If we have a good relationship with them, that's a beautiful thing. I not... No, not everybody is able to have a great relationship with their mom. But if you do, good for you. 
um, enjoy it and be glad that you have a mom that you actually can have a relationship with. Not all of the people in the world get to experience that. So, and she talks about the her journey, the faith in it, that it's so intense and yet terrifying. And I totally agree with that. Totally intense and beautiful and absolutely terrifying, the connection. It, it's, it's both. This is like, you know, it's almost like an oxymoron. It's like two things at the very same time. Two ends of the spectrum all at once. So then, near the end of her story, um, she talks about how he's so concerned about her. Like, are you going to be okay? Like, I really want to make sure you're safe. Take care of yourself. You know, he's real worried about her. And I think that's really common, too. Like, I think it's one of my things. I know, like, I worry about his safety. Like, just be safe. Whatever you do, just be safe. It might not include me, but whatever you do, just be safe and be happy. And so I think that's just our instinct with each other. Like, we really want to take care of each other. Um, and then, of course, he hugs her, and that's amazing. Like, anytime we end up with that direct physical contact, it allows for yet more energy to flow. So I can totally understand the feeling of, like, she was gonna she felt like she was gonna burst absolutely um and of course she didn't sleep that night when she went home because of everything that had happened and I've had that experience too where it's just so much it's so much that came in so much energy that how are you supposed to settle it down so that you can close your eyes so then it seemed like their bubble phase just kind of suddenly ended and I I do think that that happens. Um, but don't forget, like, we're in cohorts together about it. So even though it seems sometimes like it's a mean thing they've done, or how come we experience this bubble phase and now it's like nothing, um, that you guys, Pinky promised way back when, that you were going to have to, you know, do some things before you could be in union. And what was the very best way that you could help? And you guys probably discussed it. And, you know, for myself, I can totally see me saying, sure, yeah, I'll go down and have a family and be married and have a ton of people that I have to be concerned about, etc., etc. <laughs> so we are right at the end of our session. It's at 55 minutes, and my recording app is freaking out at me. There's like this beeping, and it keeps getting faster and faster and faster and faster. faster. Um, but I just want to say a huge, huge thank you to Penelope for sharing this story and for bringing to light like the experience of the dark night of the soul and for sharing with us that you knew he loved you before 
like that is so incredibly important and also for bringing forward that to hold on to those memories you know those good things that we can focus on those and it will keep us in high vibration which we totally deserve we totally deserve to feel good you guys so thank you thank you thank you penelope and thank you everyone else for listening thank you everybody for sharing i'm always open to more stories i think i'm to a good spot now where you could go ahead and send another one and i'll get it sent put up into a document and I do have some more editing to do. I have three more stories I have editing to do and send back. So if you haven't had your story back, that's why I'm still doing some editing. And if you, we have a group me group now. There's just a few of us in there. It's, you know, sometimes we get a lot of talking and like yesterday it was pretty quiet. But I might pose a couple questions today from today's podcast in there. You can join the group me group by emailing me. And I will send you the invitation. I promise I never send your email to anybody else. I never give your information to anybody else. Nobody knows who you are. Okay. Um, you can always make up a semi-fake email so that, you know, you want to be a little more protected. But I just wanted to reassure you that I am a human being and I'm not in cohorts with anybody so I'm not sharing your information. I am real and I'm real just like you. And when you email me, the only place your email ever goes is into my inbox. And then eventually when I'm all set and done, I will throw it into the trash. And that, you know, when we both are done conversating, I eventually clean up my box. But otherwise your email is safe with me. And so you are more than welcome to email me at twinflameauthor at gmail and join the group me. And there's a Facebook page too. Um, I think it is Twin Flame Author. Yes. So you can look that up and you can always message me from that if you need to. We also have a phone number, but I don't have it off the top of my head. But you're always welcome to contact me there as well. All right, everybody, have a super good week. And again, thank you, Penelope, for sharing with us. All right, have a great day, everyone. Namaste.